Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, you know, we had a bit of a, uh, a break over the last few weeks. Um, and I really felt while I was away to actually do a study on Moses. Um, and, you know, I discovered a lot about Moses, undoubtedly the, uh, the greatest man ever, apart from Jesus, of course, but the greatest man ever. He's a legend, an absolute legend. And uh, he lived to about 120, which in itself is pretty cool. And you could break up his life, I guess, in, in three 40-year sections. The first 40 years was, um, you know, he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, um, and he grew up in the palace, he grew up in privilege, he grew up with, um, you know, everything really that in that culture you could ask or need. The second 40 years was in the desert of Midian, living as a shepherd, totally contrasted to, you know, the previous 40 years. And um, the third 40, he lived and delivered the people of God out of slavery and brought them to the promised land. But it's such a testimony of restoration. Such a testimony of restoration that, that God has for every person alive today. Might be Moses' story, but you know what? It can be your story. There's no doubt about that. He was brought up in privilege and, and uh, he made some dumb decisions like we all do, maybe not to this extent, but, you know, he made some dumb decisions, lost everything, became a runaway uh, to the back of nowhere until the age of 80 when, you know, God gave him a second chance, an opportunity, gave him a life from the rock bottom. But, you know, it all started with Moses having a simple thought, just a simple thought, and it changed his life forever. And not only his life, but two or three million other lives were affected as well. Let's read it out of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 5 says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire and did not burn up. So Moses thought, here's the thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. He said, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. He saw something a little different and he had this thought. I'm going to check this out. And in checking it out, he encountered God. 
And I love that, you know, because that's my story. That's my story because I, I, I distinctly remember, you know, uh, when I was uh, uh, outside, you know, uh, church and, and uh, you know, not knowing about God whatsoever, I remember a mate of mine became a Christian. And they kept telling me about this God stuff and I didn't really want to know. I wasn't interested whatsoever. But you know what? Something within me, and I remember, I remember saying this, there must be something in this God stuff. And then there was a, you know, a God encounter in my life after that thought. There was a God encounter and from that God encounter changed the rest of my life. That God encounter, you know, changed my life for the next 41 years. But I remember that thought, there must be something in this God stuff. The God encounter was a defining moment for me. A defining moment. From that moment, I didn't understand it, I didn't realise it, but I was set apart. I was set apart. Just knowing that God was real. Just knowing that this God stuff was real. How could I go and live the life I was living before? How could I not change? How could I have an encounter with God? I was a hopeless alcoholic and God delivered me. No DTs, no withdrawal symptoms. I went from there to there. A God encounter in my life. How could I be the same as I was before once God had touched my heart? Just knowing that God was real, I, I couldn't go back living the way I was. Everything had to, had to change. And let me give you three changes today that I know when you have that God encounter, it'll happen. First one is a repentant heart. If you look here in verse 6 as we follow on from that story, it says, Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I love that immediate response. I love that immediate response because as soon as he realised, whoa, this is God. This isn't just a burning bush. This isn't just some, you know, something different happening in my day. No, this is God. And he took an immediate reverent stance. And the reason for that was because he knew that God was holy and he knew that he was not worthy in his presence. Moses knew he was a murderer. I don't think there would have been a day gone by in those 40 years that he'd forgotten about the Egyptian that he killed. Escaped trial, bolted off into the desert, has been running for 40 years. 40 years as a criminal. And now confronted with a holy God. Just brought it all back. Just brought it all back. See, people can do bad things but not be a bad person. 
And the way you tell the difference is a repentant heart. That's how you tell the difference. It's the difference between being sorry for something that you've done or being sorry that you got caught. Is that true? Two totally different attitudes. You're very quiet this morning. Is it the masks? And it's an absolute for one who is set apart. It's an absolute for one who was sent apart. I remember a preacher saying many, many years ago, he said, if you want to last the journey, talking about the Christian life, if you want to last the journey, be very quick to repent. Be very quick to repent. We all make mistakes. We all stuff up. We all get angry or we all do something that we know that, you know, God may not be pleased with. Repent. Be quick to go, oh, God, Sorry. I think I do it daily. I think I do it daily. It's like, I, no, okay. I'm sorry, I'll do better. You know, when Peter preached in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, when they heard the good news, when they heard the gospel, when, when Peter let them have it both barrels and they realised, whoa, we... We killed the Son of God. We killed our own Messiah. When they came to that point of revelation, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. Have you ever been there, ever been cut to the heart? Oh, it's a horrible feeling. They were cut to the heart and they asked, what shall we do? What shall we do? Peter told them straight. Verse 38, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this repentance precedes anything holy. Repentance precedes anything holy. You need to know that. It's a law, it's a rule. People search for more of God. I hear it all the time. You know, we just want more of God. Just want more of God. Well, I've got to tell you, without a repentant heart, you'll be blocked at the door. You'll be blocked at the door. Not that you don't have the desire. Not that you don't have, you know, the, you know, the, the, the relationship and all that with God. But that without a repentant heart, you're blocked at the door. And the reason for that is because God is holy. We don't talk about it much these days. But I'm telling you today, he is holy. He's a holy God. He's gracious, he's merciful, but he's holy. It takes humility to repent, doesn't it? it? Takes humility to repent and the opposite of humility is arrogance. And Psalm 5 verse 5 says, the arrogant cannot stand in his presence. The arrogant cannot stand in his presence. A repentant heart will, will set you apart and you will see God. Let me tell you, if, you, if, you've, if you've had a thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check God out. 
might be sitting at home watching now. And, you know, you maybe not be a churchgoer, but if you've ever had that thought, you know, I'm going to find what this Christianity stuff's all about. Let me tell you. As soon as you begin to open up your heart and repent before God, you will experience his presence. No two ways about it. You will see God. The second change that you'll notice is a generous spirit. Verse 8, we read here, So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out uh, of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Bezazerites and the Hevites and the Jubites. Jubites, Jubites, is that right? Where are we? I ran out of ites. <laughs> if you have a look there, you see that, you know, um, one thing I've learned, I guess, over 40 years, 40 years of being a Christian, is God is generous. God is generous. You know, we look at this scripture and, and not only has God heard the prayers of the people, and he's telling Moses, you know, what he's going to do. He's heard the cry. He's heard the pain and the suffering. And he, he's telling God, you know, I'm going to deliver them and set them free. These Hebrews were in slavery for over 400 years. Generation after generation after generation of slavery. People that no one on earth cared for. No one on earth cared cared for the Hebrews. But God was going to set them free. And more than just set them free, more than just set them free, he's going to free them from their slavery, but then he was going to position them in a land that was flowing with milk and honey, a land of prosperity, a land of abundance, a land of a future and a hope for the generations of what had been robbed from the generations before. God was going to bring all that back, not just set them free. He's a generous God. He's a generous God. He just doesn't want to set you free. He wants you to do this life and prosper. Be blessed. Generous God. See, a repentant heart will lead you into his presence. But in his presence, you'll gain a generous spirit. You can't help it. You can't help it. In the presence of God, something rises up within you, whether it's a thankfulness, an appreciation, whatever it is, it it, it leads to generosity. Taking your sandals off. And standing on holy ground, you begin to see differently. Proverbs tells us that a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 9.11, he says, You will be enriched in every way, so you can be generous on every occasion. 
How many, how many have thanked God for the blessing on their life? Well, we are blessed. Amen? I mean, look around the planet, folks. We are blessed. We are totally blessed living in this country. You know, it's just, it's not hard to understand that and accept that and receive that. But you've got to know it's, it's not just for us. We are blessed to be a blessing. You know, we are favoured to demonstrate generosity. It says here on every occasion, every occasion. And to us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. People will look at your life. People will encounter your life. People experience your life, your generosity, and they'll thank God. Thank God that person's my friend. Thank God that person encouraged me. Thank God that person paid for my groceries. Thank God they protected my child this week. After receiving the gift of salvation, something that I did not deserve, how can I not be generous? From just one thought, one encounter with God, after experiencing incredible salvation, which I I did not deserve, how could I not be generous for the rest of my life? After giving heaven's best, How can I be stingy with the people in my world? It just doesn't make sense, does it? It just doesn't equate. It doesn't add up. You know, I remember I'd come back from India on one trip and and I was playing golf with a bunch of guys, you know. I I didn't know them. They were just uh, on the roster and I, you know, jumped into the four. And, um, you know, what did you do last weekend? I was in India. Oh, yeah. You know, the old conversations start like that. And this guy said, what are you doing in India? I said, oh, I said, we got, you know, we, we feed a lot of children and we've got medical clinics and we, we do all that. And he got really angry. He sort of rose up, right? He said, I don't know why you help those kids overseas. We've got enough kids to help in our own country. And I said, yeah. I said, well, how many kids do you sponsor in Australia? The answer was none. Amen? We're generous. If we see a need, if we can meet it, we meet it. If we can make a difference, we make a difference. If we can help someone out, we help them out. How do we lose? We've got everything heaven's best. You can't lose. It's not about money, it's a spirit. Not about money, it's a spirit. Generosity is an attitude of our heart. Now I get that in the world. I get that in the world, the dog eat dog, look after number one, you know, self is king. But not a believer. Not a believer who has been given so much. So much. Your generosity sets you apart. Your generosity sets you apart. Don't be the last one to pull your wallet out of the till. 
Amen? Why? Because you're not, you're not like the world. You're different. You're set apart. You're generous. And number three today, a willing hand. A willing hand. If you look at verse 10 in this passage of Scripture, It says, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I love this. I can imagine Moses standing there. He's listening to verse 9. He's listening to verse 9 where God says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the, the Egyptians are oppressing them. And Moses is standing there. He's listening to what God is saying. He's listening, you know, to how God is going to set the people free, you know, to set them up in their own land. And I can imagine just Moses listening to God and going, yeah, come on, amen. Because that's what he tried to do 40 years ago. If you remember, he got this revelation of, you know, the, to, to deliver the people. Only he tried to do it in his own strength and kill that Egyptian. Then off into the wilderness. So he's listening to God's plan here and he's amening. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Yep, oh God, this is, I've been 40 years, I've been waiting for this, to see these people free and the Egyptians to be squashed. But then verse 10 comes along and he says, so now go, I'm sending you. And Moses is like, what, what? What, you want, you want me to go? Hey, I'm with you, Lord, good plan, good mission, Awesome, but you want me to do it? And then you know further on in that passage of Scripture, he comes up with all the excuses why he isn't a good choice. He don't talk real good. There's other issues. Very exciting until Moses had to get involved. Then the excuses came. Yeah, it reminds me of that song we sing now. It's a great song, don't get me wrong. Great song. You know, Lord Send Revival. Lord Send It Now. You know that one? Don't you love it? It's an awesome song. Lord Send Revival. Lord Send It Now. Um, the move of your spirit, heaven come down. Come now in power and cover this land. You've done it before and you'll do it again. You love that song? But I can imagine when people actually catch the revelation of what revival entails, there's going to be many standing there going, what, you want, you want me to go? You with me? Revival isn't about a, 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 a Holy Ghost sonic boom hitting the earth and everyone falls on their knees to repent. Revival is when the church rises up as the body of Christ and goes out set apart and makes a difference in their world and turns lives around. That's revival. It's not going to happen out there. It's going to happen in there, but out there will be affected. Amen. 
We weren't saved to sit. We were saved to go. Weren't saved to sit. I love church. Thank you for coming. But this isn't the end of it. We're saved to go into our world, into our family, into our friend, into our schools, into our groups, into our tribe, wherever that is. Because we're set apart, we make a difference in lives for eternity. The thing I've found is that if you've ever had a real encounter with God, you'd want it for everyone. If you've ever had a real encounter with God where you go, wow, unbelievable, amazing. You want that for everybody. Everybody. Jesus died for everybody. No one misses out. Acts 1.8 tells us, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What's that? God encounter. It's a God encounter. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will receive power not to just attend church but to be His witness to be a willing hand to see lives changed and transformed. A willing hand will set you apart not only in your world but in the church as well. It's a willing hand. It's a willing it's, it's a just a spirit of being willing to do whatever to glorify God. That simple. Not only out in your world, but in the church as well. Something about serving the house of God. Something about serving the house of God that, that reveals your heart for God. course it's about people even Jesus said I came to serve not to be served I came to serve I've had a God encounter I'm generous with my, my time and my whatever it takes and I've got a willing hand to do whatever needs doing to see the kingdom of God flourish. See the kingdom of God flourish. Because when you've been given so much, you just want to give back, don't you? When you've been given so much, you just want to give back. So can I invite you, be a part of what God is doing, what He's going to do in this next season. just a thought it's just a thought 
what can I do for God? What does God need me to do? Where can I be a part? How can I give my gifts and talents to serve a God that has just given me everything? Let me pray for you today. But you know, there could be people sitting here today and people watching online at home, no doubt. And I've got to tell you, it starts with a simple thought. You know, that thought for you might be, what, I wonder if this God stuff's real. It's just a thought. I wonder if God would be interested in me. Just a thought. I wonder if I can have a second chance to have my life changed. It's just a thought. But if you pursue that thought, I've got to tell you, He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting to give you an encounter that will change your life for the rest of it and beyond. I'm testimony to that. I can promise you that. That if you follow that thought through, you'll never regret it. If you give God a chance in your life, He'll change it forever. No question. No question. It doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect life. None of us has. But through every valley, through every circumstance, every situation, you won't be alone. He'll be right there with you. Pursue that thought. Take that next step. So show me how. Pray. doesn't matter the words that you pray. It's the condition of your heart. And God will respond. You talk to God now while we pray. If you need any help with that, give us a ring. We'll get you a Bible. We'll get you literature. Whatever you need to help you, we're there for you. But you've got to start this journey that one thought and pray with us now Father in this house today we just open up all of our hearts to you we know that you're amazing we know that our lives have been given every opportunity every opportunity because you stepped into it and Lord we want that for everybody we want to be set apart so we can make a difference we're not the same We're different because You stepped into our lives. We're not better in ourselves, Lord, but we are better because You stepped in, that You gave us a second chance. And we receive that today. We embrace that today. In Jesus' Name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you.